Hello and welcome to Trading Movies. I'm Junaid. And I'm Omar. And today we're talking The Firm. But before we get into that, Omar, what did you watch this weekend? All right. Very, two very important things. First, I watched, I finished watching Severance. Okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. Pause. <laughs> what were your thoughts about that last episode? Okay, so the last, for, okay, so to start with, the last episode is insanely gripping. It's a movie in and of itself. Yeah, it's yeah. insanely gripping. But I'm going through this episode and I get to about the last five to 10 minutes and I look at the time left in the episode as I'm watching and I'm like, there is no way that I'm going to find out anything at the end of this episode. And the episode ends the way it does. And I was like, well, great. <laughs> no, I, I don't care if if if, uh, if you're listening to this and you haven't seen Severance before, I would say skip like the next two minutes. Omer, how does the episode end? Please. I want to walk through this. It's literally, so I, I, again, this is around the time when I checked the time. So I was like, I was really frustrated that I knew something like this was going to happen. Obviously, we find out that um, Halle is an Egan. Yeah. Um, we find, you know, we find out that that's the trippiest part too. Because they're like part. She, the reason why she came into the whole yeah. severance reason, like she has such a personal reason for it. Exactly. But her innie is totally Out rebelling and yeah. against it. But it also explains why her Audi kept saying no to her quitting. Yeah. Kept denying her resign request. Exactly. And I was like, why? Like why? But that's the reason. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it all ties up there. Um, but where I was, the way the episode ends is, um, he, f- um, main character name. I can't remember his name. <laughs> main character Adam name. Scott. Yeah. I, yeah, main yeah. Ca- Adam Scott realizes when he sees a picture of his wife in his sister's house. The, and that, that is the girl Janice from work. And he's walking out of the room, like rushing out of the room to tell his sister that she's alive and he gets out, she's alive. And that's where the episode ends. And then and that's when they switch over that's when they to, switch yeah, over to yeah. their any Audis again. Yeah. Um, so that's the part where I was like, no. <laughs> and like, I, I think, I think what I really appreciate about that show is um, frequent listeners of the podcast will know that we live in a, in a Northern cold climate. And that show really, really exemplifies what it's like living in a cold climate. Yeah, they, the way they the way they show it, the way they describe it, it felt real. You know, I can't compare to shows in California and stuff because I don't live in California. Yeah, but when I saw that show, I was like, Minnesota or wherever they are feels exactly like where we live. Exactly, and and that just made it so much more real for me. And I I also saw it, obviously like I'm 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 working from home, so I saw it from that context of, oh my God, can you imagine going back to work and this is what they require of you um, to split your personality in that yeah. way? So yeah, that show is a trip. It's so good. It's a trip. And it's also, I can't, it's been a while since I've seen a show where literally every single episode, you're just, you're just in it so deep. You're so like, you just, you don't, you don't check your watch. You're just you like, so, you're just, you're so, 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 so and the, the episode ends and you're like, oh my God, what's going to happen next? And then, I mean, good on them they end it at a point where you're like i have to see more because honestly i don't know about you or all the any of the listeners who've watched it but i feel like i have more questions now than i did at the beginning of the oh show. yeah i recommend <laughs> if you have some time uh to go on the severance subreddit because yeah. it's just knee deep in theories and yeah. there's so many youtube videos and stuff people doing like analysis of each yeah. screen but i think uh we can't we can't end this this part about severance without talking about my favorite character uh, I believe his name is uh, Seth Milicek. 
Those dance moves, bro, <laughs> insane. I don't know what that was. So, it, I, I, again, the only word I can say is it was a trip. Because <laughs> it was a trip. the was way a... he was dancing, man, I felt my heart rate increase. Especially when he was dancing behind, I believe, Dylan. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> dancing behind before Dylan jumps at him and bites him. Yeah, but the way he was like going around him with his arms and his hips and stuff. Yo, and I, I, like, I, I thought it was like a, I was like, oh my god, this is a pagan ritual. <laughs> like, this, yeah. this, these guys are about to raise something uh, from somewhere. You yeah. Know? I mean, he was. Um, I mean, I, uh, if we're if we're talking about our awards, he's the most punchable face award in he, that show. He's uh, well, also like the the what he represents in that show yeah. as, as the authority just yes. makes you want to, yeah, like you said, punch him in the face. Yeah, yeah. But I think also it's a testament to his acting because he is brilliant. He's really he's good. like physically too. He has such a presence. Yes, like in in every scene he's in, you can't help but look at him. He just captures your your eye very way. true very true um what else did you watch this weekend the romantics which you finished on valentine's day i watched all four episodes oh all at once in two days in two days okay oh yeah so just like two two hour spans because yeah, they're long two, episodes. yeah two 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 on one day two on the next yeah, so I finished they're, the, they're long episodes they're long episodes they're about yeah. an hour each yeah um did you watch all of it i've watched all of it yeah, yeah. what'd you uh, think i loved it yeah yeah i actually loved it i was kind of I do have a couple of things I'd like to say about it, yeah. which I would have liked to see. Mm-hmm. But in in general, the way it was done, I did really like it. I liked episode two a lot because... Um, well, that was all, all our movies. That 90s, was all our movies, yeah. 90s, yeah. Yeah, so... Um, DDLJ. DDLJ. Yeah. That was um, a whole, like, that was like the whole episode of Century. Was DDLJ, exactly. Yeah. yeah, so that was really good to watch. I, I mean, I think we're going to get more into it in the Masala Minute anyway, yeah. but um, I thought it was really good. Yeah. But how about you? What did you watch? Um, so, yeah, I've been continuing with my usual, The Last of Us, the latest episode. Again, another banger. Dude, this show is really good. I'm, I'm about three episodes behind right now. When you get a chance and you like sit down, you, you won't be able to watch them all at once. Like it's an emotional long, roller coaster. Yeah. It's an emotional roller coaster, oh, man. Okay. You'll feel like your heart, your dill will be like in pain. Um, Poker Face, the latest episode takes place uh, at a racetrack. Awesome. Um, so that was fun. Yeah. yeah. And it's a little bit more of a twist on a traditional murder as well. Yeah. So that show's so good. And it got actually got picked up for season two. So yes. Ryan Johnson, man, after he got that check from Netflix, he just keeps cashing those checks. Good for him. Yep. Like, you know, out of <laughs> you, please come out with uh, the third Knives Out soon because we will watch it instantly. Yes. Um, I watched Top Gun Maverick this weekend, Omar. Yes. So let me preface this by saying that I've been telling you to watch, telling today to watch Top Gun Maverick. When did it come out? May of in last my, year? In my defense, I had a lot going on. Okay. <laughs> there was a lot going on in my life. I couldn't get to the movies. And... Anyways, all of that to say, I watched it this weekend, and it was everything that Omar described it and more. Um, I, I, I'm not sure. Like, I think I signed up for the Navy in like a delirious state after I watched that movie. But it's just Tom Cruise being Tom Cruise, man. Like that's all I can yeah. say. He's it's it literally steals so many beats from the first Top Gun. Like there's yes. like there's scenes that are straight up. Offense, defense, football, and yeah. beach volleyball. It's like the same scene. They have to bring those vibes back. Yeah, and and yeah. but. I think the the thing that sets it apart is just man the cinematography when they're in the air and those scenes when they're in the planes. Yeah, the practical effects and like that whole scene when he has two minutes and fifteen seconds to do the yeah. test course. Um, and I thought what what was impressive about that scene was yes, Tom Cruise and his physical acting and his ability to be in the plane and all that, but the way they intercut that scene with the reactions of the pilots. Yes, like the way they're like crunching paper and standing up and like holy crap, he's really gonna do it. Yeah, it gives you a lot. It makes you feel like you're part of it. Like it's yeah. that, that was very much like a sports movie. Yes, you know? like very it, much. Make you feel hype like that. Yeah. 
Uh, and then the whole final sequence is yes. completely pushes the bounds of reality, obviously, but you still can't help but like cheer when, yeah. when it all comes through, you know, no, near, sure. at the end of the movie. And also, man, fifth generation fighter pilot that that thing looked crazy that oh, played that the way it did that that one maneuver where like i can't even it's like a corkscrew but it's like yeah when it goes yeah like it does up like and a, down yeah, right? it does some, some yeah. crazy move the that that plane and they don't they don't say what country it's it is or whatever they just say it's like a fifth generation yeah, yeah. it's like a foreign country or whatever but um really really great movie and i can see i could see him winning or that movie winning an Oscar just because of what it did for cinema last year in terms of like people coming back. Is it nominated movies. for anything right now? Yeah, man. For for best film. Yeah. Okay, it's nominated for best film. Yeah, okay, yeah. okay, it did get best picture. Yeah. So I mean, I I mean I I think everything everywhere all at once is still gonna is gonna win it. Be like big yeah. banger because just everything it represents is so good. Yeah, yeah. But also Tom Cruise saved movies so yeah. I mean, we can't we can't not and look this is a second episode in a row where we're going to be doing a tom cruise movie and we did a movie last, last week that was 10 years old and now we're doing a movie that's 30 years old yeah so that tells you the breadth of this guy's imprint on yeah, uh, on movies you know especially through our lifetime um but yeah in terms of since we're talking about the box office i think we can't we can't go without this podcast without talking about last weekend's box office and the new entry at number one which is ant-man and it did a surprisingly good amount of business. I mean, it made 105 million domestically and another, I think, 100 mil um, in the foreign box office. So that's 200 M's right off the first weekend. Yeah. And it's going to continue, I think, for a couple of weeks at least. Yeah, I will. Um, this one's going to, I don't think it's going to be massive, but it's going to be decently big. Yeah, I, I, also, I also don't think there are that many new movies that are coming out in the next couple of weeks that should. That would take its spot. Yeah, yeah. like I know, I think, I think Creed is coming out next weekend, but I'm. Again, I think I think Ant Man is still probably going to be pretty strong. Um, coming up in second is Avatar: The Way of Water, still making money, six and a half million. Hey, but I, is Ant Man is the first movie since Avatar's release that kicked out of IMAX? No, no, uh, IMAX, yeah, yes. kicked out of IMAX yeah. for sure, yeah. and and that's surprising too because it's yeah. been like what like two months now, right? Yeah. Three months, yeah, since exactly. Avatar came out. Um, so Avatar was two last week, so it stays at number two in the box office. Magic Mike, which was opened the box office at number one last week is 5.4 million it's a pretty big drop yeah uh but i think people will still watch that movie um puss in boots again <laughs> still at fourth dude it made 5.3 million last week man it does not want it's, it doesn't quit stop. like yeah, it's yeah. not it's just printing money it's the I, most I, successful animated movie of last year yeah and plus, for a while <laughs> yeah it's so good yeah. and then knock at the cabin was uh number six on our list last week so it didn't actually make it but it came back out of the top five with 5.3 million. Right, it's back but it's again I, i'm kind of surprised at how fast it tapered off uh it's i mean i know it didn't cost a lot to make the movie but it's still m night Shyamalan. so i guess i'm not sure if audiences are really loving it i think it's word of mouth yeah but that's gotta be it yeah yeah, it's got to be word of mouth. Um, but in terms of movies coming out this weekend, uh, Cocaine Bear. Have you seen the, <laughs> have you seen the trailer for this? So many times. So it's based on a true story, apparently. Uh, what? But that, yeah, that I didn't know. it is. It is like there was a part of a smuggling ring and a bear got into a bag and shenanigans ensued. Yeah. Um, but the the reason why I wanted to highlight it, aside from it being funny, the, the whole premise, um, it's Ray Liotta's last performance on screen. Ray Liotta plays um, the main character in Goodfellas. Yeah, uh, and he's just—he's a brilliant actor, yeah. and he's incandescent in that movie. And uh, anyways, R.I.P. Ray Liotta, you were great, and you have very blue eyes, so 
<laughs> very blue eyes. Um, and also on Netflix this weekend is Luther the Fallen Sun, which is an Idris Elba um, yeah. production. He he's played this character for a long time. Luther, yeah. Yeah, he's like a detective. Um, never really got into the show, but I think I might check it out just to see what it's about. This is the movie, eh? Uh, this is the movie, yeah, yeah. But I'm assuming you won't have to have like know really much. Yeah, no, I saw I saw some of the show. No, I got, but I, I did fall off it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I feel like some of those British shows, like, some of them are really good. And then sometimes, like, third series, it just, like, completely shifts. And you're like, yeah, this is not what I signed up for. Yeah, yeah. Other news, Omar, this I think you'll find interesting. So reports are coming out from early screenings of Martin. Or I don't know if they're screenings or if it's just noise from Killers of the Flower Moon. Apparently, it's three hours and 20 minutes long. Yeah, I did read that. I actually read that. That is three hours and 20 minutes long. Okay. Two things about that. It's quite long. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. What? yeah good good point thanks thanks for highlighting that okay. yeah, so, so that's quite long however it's not far off from avatar or babylon yo i didn't watch babylon but three hours and ten minutes or three long. hours and nine that is minutes. an insanely long movie yeah i think if you're gonna make a movie more than two hours and 40 minutes i think we gotta bring intermissions back yes bro let people go you know have Where a bio, bio break were intermissions are a thing in Hollywood movies ever? I don't know, but they're a thing in Bollywood movies. Yeah. <laughs> you can go right now, watch a Bollywood movie, and at certain theaters, there's an intermission. You can go get some warm samosas, come back, yeah. and like, watch the rest of the movie. It's a great little break. Honestly. But I think like for movies like that, you go, you got to let people go pee, man. <laughs> like, you have to, man. Like, especially the size of Cokes at movie theaters. Like, yeah, on. three hours and 20 is long. We're talking like... I think I think he's going to have to cut stuff. I think he has to. Three hours and 20, I, I don't know if, if that's going to fly. But it's Scorsese and DiCaprio. I, 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 I'm. There's no bigger fan of that. Those two. Okay. <laughs> I love their work. Okay. Yes. But in terms of in terms of what an audience wants to see, like this guy made The Irishman. That was long too. Hey, wasn't that over three hours? That was so long. Yeah. yeah. That, was like, that was pretty much like a four episode series. <laughs> like it was very long. Yeah, The Irishman was um, quite long. And I enjoyed that movie, but still. I would love to see the Netflix data on that. Like, how many people actually watched it end to end the first time? How many people chunked it over two nights or three nights? I chunked it. Yeah, I did too. Yeah, and I again, I was looking forward to the movie, but I was like, man, I got I got work tomorrow morning. You know? <laughs> um, but yeah, so we'll find out. Uh, it's supposed to uh, film at or screen at Cannes, which is in mid-May. Yeah. So we'll we'll hear more about that in the we'll coming months. The, the length, the running time. Yeah. And then the, the final piece of news, and we're at side piece of news, um, David Fincher announced that uh, Mindhunter Season 3 is never going to come. Have you watched Mindhunter? I actually have not. It is a brilliant show. It's yeah. about how the behavioral analysis unit gets developed at the FBI because okay. they notice a lot of like serial killers and all of that stuff. Okay. And they decide to like, go and find these people who are in the prison system and interview them to try to get like to do psychoanalysis to understand what makes serial killers tick it's a really cool concept it's super cool and and there's two seasons and and it's just a really really good show um jonathan groff is in it he's one of the men in knock at the cabin he's one of the fathers okay um anna torv who plays uh joel's girlfriend in uh, the last of us the one um oh yeah yeah, yeah. she's in it she, uh, she's awesome in it and then there's also Holt McElhinney, who you might remember from Fight Club, but yeah, he's like a, he's, he's kind of more of a guy you'd recognize by face. Yeah. All of that to say, I'm really sad it's not going to come back. According to David Fincher, it's because it was too expensive to make, and Netflix didn't think it was a good investment. So did it, it didn't make that much money? I, I mean, it was a really popular show. Yeah. From my experience, everyone seemed to love it, but according to Netflix, it didn't generate enough buzz. That it should Interesting. have, I guess. Okay. But yeah, I, I mean, we don't understand the economics of a company like Netflix because we don't know what they actually 
Like, what metrics do they use to make their decisions? Yeah. Because you, you, there's no dollar amount, right? Like, there's no box office that they can... Look yeah, at. exactly. So we don't really actually know what their decision-making is. It's, it's true. It's it's kind of a gray area. It's a black box. It's a black box, yeah, yeah. yeah. But that's all I had for the news side, Umar. I think that means it's time for the Masala Minute. Alright, what's up? What's going on? Okay, so we we mentioned the romantics already. Um and a couple of things I'll mention about the romantics. So if if anyone's seen seen it, we've talked about it before, obviously. It's essentially a four episode advertised for Yashraj films. I guarantee you in the next five years, we are going to get an exclusive Yashraj Netflix deal for like yeah, streaming movies. Could be. I guarantee you. Because be. this was a this was an ad, bro. Yeah. And this is Aditya Chopra coming out. He's, he doesn't come out. He yeah. Come out. His picture on Wikipedia is from like 2003. No, he doesn't come out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And how he managed to do that till now, it's like pretty impressive. <laughs> but, yeah, actually. Um, but a couple of things. Yeah. So obviously this takes you through the classics of Yashraj films, the films that we grew up with. Uh, that were that came out when we were little kids and growing up. Um, it talks about Yash Chopra from our parents' time, the movies he was making in the 60s and 70s and 80s. Um, like and his, Silsila. Silsila, Chani, yeah. um, Diwar, and, yeah. you know, all these films, how, you know, Amitabh Bachchan grew to so much fame under his movies. And, you know, essentially essentially portraying him as perhaps the greatest director in um, in yeah. Bollywood or in, yeah. Indian, in the Hindi film industry. Um and then, obviously, moving on from that onto Aditya Chopra and his influence, his mind when it came to what works in movies, um, who to cast, um, when to release, like pretty much everything. Like his mind as not only a director, but it delves into his mind as a producer. Yeah, I think that's the most impressive part about this documentary is yeah. is how how capable he is in the yeah. industry. Like obviously, he was born into the industry, but he's a very very capable executive he knows what he's executive. doing yeah, yeah he knows his market yeah. yeah he knows his market really well he knows what what's gonna work he knows um how to follow not even I, I wouldn't say he knows how to follow trends he knows how to set trends essentially um and it's 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 quite impressive um knowing knowing that knowing like what goes on because you know obviously he's someone that's never come on in front, in front of camera so me watching this and understanding more about him before this, I you know you would just see Yashraj films and it would just say produced by Aditya Chopra. I was like, okay, cool, whatever. Yeah, you can never you put never a face thought, to the name. You never put a, a face to the name. Well, you never realize like what is he? Okay, he's just funding it, and that's all. It's just his company funding it, or what influences he have uh, in this movie being created. And then you're just like, oh wait a second. Like you go back to all the films you've seen where it's produced by Aditya Chopra, and you're like, oh, this is this was his hand in it. This was his hand in it. Like, yeah, it's the reason it's, Ranveer Singh was launched in Bandai. Exactly. exactly it, right? There's yeah. a lot, there's a lot, especially like when people like us who don't work in the industry, when we see producer, yeah, producer can be any number of things. And that's why there are so many producers on projects because it'll be like, yeah, you're a producer and you handle logistics. Yeah. Like, you know, you're a producer and you are, in your past life, you're a photographer. So you're really good at scouting locations. So you've managed that process and all of the thinking behind that. There's so many different roles to play on a movie set. And to get an insight into what someone at, who, like they say, he was operating at the highest level. Yep. He was a dynasty. He is a dynasty. Yeah. Right? In terms of the number, like the, the stature that they hold in the industry. He is their Warner Bros or, or, or Sony Pictures or whatever. Yeah. So it was very cool to get an insight into how someone's mind like that works. But also, you also got the flip side of Bollywood too. Like there was some of it that was like, 
I can't remember which actor actress it was, but she was being introduced into a film and she was only like 19. And he was like, yeah, you can't tell your mom. You can't tell your dad. You can't tell anyone. Like, you have to stay hidden. Like, there's no info about any of this. Anushka out. Sharma. Anushka Sharma, yeah. And I, I was watching <laughs> that and I was like, bro, that is so messed up. <laughs> like, yeah, I was, like, I was like, you can't tell your parents. And I was like, uh, I was like, <laughs> how I was does like, that work? I was like, are you a ride? Like, what is going on here? This is an influencer Patan game? Like, yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. But... Yeah, so we so we saw we saw that whole side of it, which is cool. The episode, you know, episode two, which is essentially all about uh, the DDLJ, 90s, yeah, yeah. the nineties and DDLJ specifically, and it was really cool to understand how he wrote the script, how people didn't really believe in the script, mm-hmm. how Shah Rukh Khan himself was disappointed at the script and he didn't want to do the movie, and for months he was like just being like, okay, whatever, whatever. He wasn't giving. Yeah, uh, and yes it was months. only when his film dropped out that he took the role, right? He took he took the role at the end. It wasn't when a, a film dropped. He was filming for something. And then it was after a few months he talked with Aditya Chopra and he kind of like changed. I like I like yeah. that one anecdote about how he's the reason there's a fight scene in the oh, DDLJ. So and he's like, I asked them to please give me a fight scene. <laughs> so they're like, all right, you got like half an hour and go. But it's funny they put it they put it in because he's just like, I don't care if it's in the movie or not, just cut it. Yeah. But I just make just make let me do an action scene and my wife, my wife hates that scene. She says it does not belong yeah. in the film. <laughs> yeah, yes, Chopra was like, And then when she saw that, she's like, Vindication! <laughs> I told you. <laughs> I'm like, babe, I wasn't fighting you. <laughs> I didn't disagree. It's true. It doesn't belong in the film. No, it doesn't. It doesn't belong in the film. But it's, uh, you know, it was. It's, it's funny to know that he insisted on doing that. Yeah, it is. It is. It is funny. But so, um, the thing that so episode three, they focus a lot on the new age, right? So they get to you know one year that is mentioned a lot in the film or emphasized uh, in the in the in the episode is 2004. Yeah. Because 2000 is f- 2004 is when they had three big releases. One was Hamtum. Yeah. The other was a very different style of film, which was Doom. Doom. Yeah. And the third was obviously Veer Zara. And, you know, I understand why they put emphasis on Those three, Doom. yeah. I understand why they put well, emphasis Doom, on Doom specifically. specifically just yeah. Well, the was, lead too, yeah. Yeah, just because it was a new, you know, a new kind of, and a completely an, new genre and for... an intrinsic connection to their family because the son, his brother, is literally starring in that movie. Exactly, right? but yeah, and it was because it was a completely different uh, formula for a film they were going through. It was it wasn't a romantic film. No. It was a, you know it was like an action. Um, so I understand why they why they focused on that and they put some focus on Hamtum too. Again, I understand it, but why did why was there nothing about Virzara? It I was think, just mentioned. I think it's because. Uh, they'd already touched on DDLJ so much the previous episode. But so Virzara like... was a yes Chopra. Yeah, and it's like it's an iconic film. I th- I think it's considered by many to be like his best film. I I I couldn't tell you why, and I feel like they made a so through the documentary they made a lot of weird editing choices too, where they would just immediately cut to someone else talking, and you'd be like, that did not fit right. Mm-hmm. And I thought that they they made some interesting choices in terms of the movies because they didn't talk about Kuchkuch Hotei either. But that's not Yashraj. But like in terms of. I know it's not Yeshraj, but in terms of the culture of the '90s and like, yeah, the, like for example, branded clothing. That movie is like a advertisement for Nike and Adidas, and before mm. that, you didn't see that in Indian movies, you yeah, know. True. But like, in terms of if you're talking about the culture and the industry, it's one thing. If you're really talking about your movies, that's a separate thing. Yeah. Right. Because that movie, it's hard to tell the story of the '90s without that movie. It's true, right? Yeah, very much. So, yeah. in, and it has Shah Rukh Khan in it. You can't yeah. like his brand is so huge. It's why movies like Virsar are so popular. Yeah, because of the work he did in the '90s. Yeah, right. And and that that I found interesting because it's like tell it tell tell it to us straight. Are you telling us your story of Bollywood or are you telling the story of Bollywood? Because it's clearly it's their story. Yeah, but they're trying to tell it like 
it's one in the same. It's one in the which same. It's, it's, yeah, that, that's it's the not there. right. Yeah. There, there, there are some parts that you do have to include yeah. external. But interesting tidbit about the about the series. The um, so I think we all know the director or the maker of it is the maker of Indian matchmaking. Yeah. And she, I saw an interview of her a few days ago, and she mentioned how they had over 200 hours of footage they had to edit to make these four episodes. Why did they only make it four? I don't know, but they, she said there was so many, because, you know, the, in an interview, the interviewer was asking, uh, oh, why wasn't this in it? Or why wasn't that in it? I forgot what they were mentioning, but they were like, oh, you know, we could have seen this and that. Yeah. And she's like, we had over 200 hours of footage and she said it took about two years or over two years just to edit the, the, uh, the yeah, series. Yeah, that's, that's not surprising at all, man. Yeah. Like, think about how long, like, even Drive to Survive or, like, this new golf show. Yeah. They record a full season and they follow everyone. Yeah. And then they decide what narratives they're going to choose for exactly. the episodes. So for this, they clearly had to pick and choose. And I wouldn't be surprised if they had another four episodes that they had storyboarded, but they just were like, no, we can't We can't have eight hours of content or whatever. Yeah, yeah probably. Because like the amount of interviews, the amount of... The, like, oh, yeah, one was... Uh, one uh, one thing the interviewer brought up was why did... Like, we saw in the first episode, in the first, you know, uh, clip, we saw like a, a clip of Salman Khan. Yeah. But barely, then, barely in the movie. But he, but in the, other, the he didn't show up again. Yeah, like he would, he didn't say anything. Nothing. And so she's like, "Why? Where was he?" And like, we just couldn't include everything. So, so there was one thing I did find interesting. I obviously um, don't have as much of a knowledge of Bollywood. I grew up around it, and I've watched um, a fair share of movies. But in terms of like the behind the scenes and the the personalities and all that stuff, I don't, I don't have as much knowledge into that. I'm starting to get into it. I'm starting to learn the gossip, but. Uh, when the what? wife comes into play, exactly. and she's that's into it. it. She's, she's <laughs> that's it. That's like all, she's the teacher, <laughs> the professor. Uh, but what I found interesting was how many of them grew up together. I didn't know oh, that yeah. Hrithik Roshan, Aditya Chopra, Uday Chopra, Abhishek Bachchan. Abhishek Bachchan, that they all grew up together. Yep. I was like, that is really weird. Like weird in a sense, like you always talk about with your friends when you're like seven, oh, I'm going to be a millionaire. But like these kids were already millionaires and then they became millionaires yeah. on their own account because of you know yeah. the roles but that's that's that generation even this generation that's like the new ones like the new actors you have yeah they're like, all nepo babies they're yeah. all they're all uh, interconnected yeah it's they're, weird they to think about other. like yeah. I've, I've seen like you know you see the similar last names and stuff and then it gets oh it's like the cousin son's brother and you're like what what is what is this relation yeah it's all one big family they're all related yeah so what, what obviously this docu documentary does also mention nepotism yeah it does mention it well uh, man you gotta mention that part you know the part <laughs> Oday Chopra. Oh my God! The way his brother just <laughs> roasts him, bro. But see, that's what I want to talk about because, okay, from our perspective, it's like I, I just decided I'm like, okay, you know what? I I think he makes sense, but I think he's also getting a little bit of flack for. I think I read, I, I just read one thing. I don't know how much it is. I don't think it's it's huge, but I feel like over time it might be even bigger. People might be like, kind of saying how that example doesn't match up to as a, as a as a viable argument against nepotism um that he wasn't able to make his own brother a star i mean which uh, but he like in his, his, in his brother fairness, still had a career though yeah right? but in his okay in his fairness he did mention that look yes i agree that knowing someone uh gets you in the door gets you an opportunity even gets you a break he said I'll, I'll, he's like i'll admit that it, it can even get you a break yeah but the audience is the, the decider yeah. of who of who's going to make it or not and Ode Chopra, while he did come in movies here and there and um he didn't make money from it yes 
he would he didn't become a star yeah i i, I like that point about look it's the audience who's the ultimate jury here yeah. right it's not me or anyone else who can singularly make it the only thing i would push back upon for for, for what he was saying was about like because he's obviously trying to downplay it right but like uday chopra what does he do now he's a producer would uday chopra be a producer yes such films hollywood yeah yeah right? yeah so would he have that position if he wasn't born into that family no, no right <laughs> like it's <Yeah>. just not <laughs> yeah. it's not it's it that connection still is there yes. so you're telling me that if like there they're telling me there is no other talent out there who's not born uh, into a, a bollywood family who can't produce films or do those jobs obviously not right but the fact that he's in that position is still as a result of the family he was born into he can't yeah. control that but you also can't deny that it's ever present in the industry oh yeah right? for sure the, another example is, um, I don't know if you knew about this, but Salman Khan's stepsister, her, she got married. Um, this is pre-COVID. She got married. And pre-COVID, Salman Khan produced the film for her husband. Wow. I didn't know that. And he came out. He came out in a film. I'm, Was it bad? I am. I, I think so. I never saw it. Yeah. I, I think he didn't get the best ratings. And he he hasn't come in a movie since. <laughs> I don't know if he's if the plan is for him. To, I don't know if he has anything lined up. I can't remember his name right now. <laughs> But no, unfortunate. <laughs> <laughs> However, that's a that's another one where I think around like okay, like that movie came out. We haven't heard of him or seen him in the in you know four or five years since that movie. Yeah. Um. And now is he gonna come again? Is he not? I don't know. So there's he he got his break. You know he he married Salman Khan's sister yeah. and he was on uh, a he got a film. He, he got a he got a he got a package full of uh or no a suitcase full of being human and it's just yeah. like you're done you're good yeah bye and just to end masala minute we will just go over again shahzada is really struggling yeah i i saw so one thing that i found really funny that we talked about in our secret super secret text chain was uh how they were offering one for one tickets <sighs> so buy one get one free and which it's I've still been, tanked i've never seen it in my life yeah uh, we've been watching movies for a long time yeah never seen them offer a free ticket with a purchase before. never seen so it's really struggling uh either it's ant-man that's coming that's at the same time plus baton is still going strong apparently i have both of those reasons or the movie is just utterly yeah and <laughs> and you can't stress enough this isn't an original movie it's a copy so yeah. you know they screwed up when yes so um yep okay so let's talk about the firm <laughs> Nineteen ninety three's The Firm. So date of release June thirtieth, nineteen ninety three. So it's a summer blockbuster. Uh, budget of forty two million. A box office of two hundred and seventy point two million. Runtime of one hundred and fifty four minutes. So yes, it is a little bit of a long movie. Uh, stacked cast: uh, Tom Cruise, Gene Triplehorn, Gene Hackman, uh, Holly Hunter, Ed Harris. Mm-hmm. Uh, amazing in this movie. Hal Holbrook, Jerry Harden, David Strathairn, Wilfred Brimley. And then a whole bunch of other folks who we'll get to in a little bit. Directed by Sidney Pollock. I don't know if you've seen any of his movies. In 2005, he had The Interpreter. I think I've seen Which that. is a really great movie. Yeah. But um, his movie that really put him on the spot was this uh, the movie he won the Academy Award for, Out of Africa, uh, with Robert Redford in 1985. I've heard it's really good. Haven't seen it myself. Yeah. Um, score by Dave Grusin. We will talk about this as well, because I really enjoyed the score of this movie. The score was good. Um, off the top, Omer. What did you think about the firm? Off the top, Pelican Brief vibes. Yep. Um, but its story grasp like it it grasped me 
gripped me on a little earlier. Mm-hmm. So from the from the onset, um, the hook is better. The hook is better. Yeah. It, it gets you in faster, which I appreciate because I was I was I was into it from the very beginning when he's interviewing at these law firms and he's getting he, he's in the he's uh, in Memphis with this interview with the with the, with the law firm that he eventually gets hired to the firm. Yeah. Um. So I was really into it for. Uh, from the beginning of the film, just because it, it it got, I feel like it got right to the point. It really did, and there was no, the, my issue with the Pelican Brief the first half hour was I didn't care a lot. Uh, about it was a little bit of a love story, and like, oh, I'm an alcoholic professor yeah, like, and all that stuff. That yeah. stuff, and even like the build up, the president and the presidential, the po- political talk and stuff. I was like, yeah, yeah. you're you're out of it. So yeah. so we should give a, a quick plot summary. Yeah. Um, this movie follows uh Tom Cruise who plays Mitch McDear. Uh, and his well, and his career essentially. So he's in his last year at Harvard Law School, and he's being recruited by all of these law firms as the movie starts. And then he gets an unbelievable offer from a boutique law firm uh, with the with a brilliant name of Bendini, Lambert, and Locke. Yeah, uh, they're out of Memphis. They offer him a deal that he can't refuse. Uh, he joins the law firm and quickly realizes that they actually represent um, the mafia and. Beyond representing the mafia, which I should state for the record, is not actually illegal. You can represent the mafia. That's how they have lawyers. Um, But they're also laundering money. And he learns about this. And the FBI figures out, since he's the newest employee, that he's not in on it yet. So they try to use him to uh, uncover this entire conspiracy. Uh, But there is an issue. If Tom Cruise does actually help the FBI, then he will be disbarred because it'll go against attorney-client privilege. So he has to come up with a plot to um, essentially give up the FB, uh, to give up the law firm and get his brother out of jail, and he does that via mail fraud. Exactly. So essentially, <laughs> the law uh, it's mail fraud, it, um, and essentially the law firm has been overbilling its clients, and when they send their uh, invoices out, they are mailing them, and when you use the U.S. Postal Service, that means the crime becomes federal. And each one uh, is, I think, a $10,000 fine and up to five years in prison. Yeah. So that's essentially how the law firm ends up getting destroyed. There's a bunch of other uh, intricacies to the film, uh, including a whole plot line with his brother. Uh, but we can't get into that. You just need to watch this movie because it's brilliant. Like, yeah, it's it's such a good movie. So, yeah, Omer, uh, in, terms of, in terms of seeing tom cruise in the early 90s so he's uh you know fresh out of law school i think he's only about 29 30 years old uh at in real life at the age what did it feel like seeing him after oh he looks so young right i mean the last tom cruise movie that i saw where he was that young was mission impossible one and even that was like what 99 90 96 that's a few years after a few years after yeah so that's the last time i saw tom cruise that young and i was I was like, "Whoa, this is weird." First of all, two two reasons why it was it was this was a kind of a different t- um kind of Tom Cruise we're seeing. Yeah, he's still like, he's still the everyman. He's still the everyman. I mean, yeah, as everyman as someone who just graduated top of class at Harvard Law can be. Yeah, but he's still trying to be like a regular dude. Great example. Look at him playing basketball with people at the beginning yeah. of the movie. Just like a regular guy. Oh yeah, just me, Tom Cruise. Yep, getting angry, <laughs> getting angry at <laughs> basketball. You notice how they, they don't actually show him with the ball. <laughs> they don't get mad. Yeah. They had one scene of him just like swearing or yeah, something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and I think I think the thing that stands out to me in this movie is just the sheer number of the, the amount of talent in this movie. There are yeah. so many good actors. Like let's let's go down the list first. Off the top rope for people of our generation, 
Hank from Breaking Bad is in this movie, <laughs> Dean Norris. And what did you mention uh, before we talked? He gets shot. In he gets what? shot in the leg again. In the same spot. <laughs> in the same spot. He's There was a scene where he got shot in the leg and he was limping out of the room. And I was like, this is Hank. <laughs> the way he was yeah. limping out. Like, this is exactly how Hank was. And, and, and in terms of like even the small roles, like they have Margot Martindale as one of the secretaries. She's a legendary character actress. Paul Servino, who's from The Goodfellas. He plays one of the Italian mobsters. Um, the guy they go to meet in the Grand Caymans, his name is Sonny Caps, yep. uh, for the first meeting. That's famous producer Jerry Weintraub, and he comes in Oceans movies later oh. as a, one of their connections. Uh, Gary Busey's in this movie, too. Like, he's just randomly in it, and then he gets shot. Yes, know, which, yeah. Which was an interesting scene. Uh, <laughs> and Wilfred Brimley, like, just another hilarious, hilariously great guy in this movie. Yep. And, and every, every scene essentially has a character actor in it who is... If, they, if we were to use a pitching metaphor, they're throwing 100 miles per hour. They're just going yeah. for it. Um, and further to that, I think this is where I want to talk about Holly Hunter. So did you know that she won an or she got nominated for an Academy Award for this movie? No, I did not. Okay. So think this is going to trip you out. Not only did she get nominated, she's only in the movie for under six minutes of total screen time. Which is, yeah, that makes sense. She's in... Over 20 scenes where there's less than, like, 18 seconds of actual, like, screen time for her in those scenes. Just, like, her walking or her at a dock or her, like, photocopying something. Like, I interspersed through scenes of other people. And she got nominated for an Academy Award. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. That's insane. How, How does, does that, that happen? happen? Yeah. Oh, my God. That was a, <laughs> drinks, you owe, me, you owe me a Coke. Uh, yeah, no. So, that, that was just the, that was a story from, like, the actors that really, it just stood out to me. Because, and also, like... Gene Hackman is in this movie. That's an Academy Award winner, you yeah. know? And, like, he's going... He's so smarmy. He plays such a greasy man in this movie, and he's so good at it. But these are high, high-level actors who are just taking regular bit parts just to be in this movie. Just to be in this film, yeah. And it makes it so much better. Yeah, it was... Yeah, it was It was pretty... It was pretty edge-of-your-seat. Yeah, I loved it. And yeah. I, think, I think further, like, when we talk about the casting, I think one thing that we need to talk about is... This is 1993, 1992 when they're filming, okay? Yeah. So originally this movie, Gene Hackman's character was supposed to be a woman. They, and they had casted Meryl Streep for the role. So when I think about that, I'm like, man, they would have made this movie into like an erotic thriller where like <laughs> she's trying to like seduce him to get him to, you know, buy into being a lawyer for the mafia and yeah. like, kind of like that side. Because instead Gene Hackman is more of like a smarmy like yeah. playboy kind. What do you think that movie would be like with Meryl Streep? There would be a lot more. The plot, the, I don't, know, I don't know about the plot, but the screenplay would have shifted a lot, a man. lot, a lot, not just a lot, because they have to cater to Meryl Streep at that point. Yeah, and and she's incandescent, like she's exactly like a, she's yeah. a star. Yeah, yeah, she's a star, so she's gonna get more screen time. She's gonna get more. Uh, there's gonna be more for her to do in the film, which which brings. Yeah, I just imagine her. I just imagine her in those Cayman like scenes like how does yeah. that work with her you know true, like does she true. have just a bunch of like jack dudes around her like, <laughs> <laughs> just like carry her around and stuff um but yeah ultimately they didn't go with Meryl Streep because the author of the book um actually pushed back John Grisham okay um and that might be a good time to talk about John Grisham because because you know we talk about sports a lot we talk about LeBron James we talk about Sidney Crosby I'm going to read out some stats for you that that are going to blow your mind okay All right. so in the early 90s there was a point where he had Three books in the New York Times top 10 bestsellers list at the same time, okay? The Firm was on the top 10 list for 47 weeks in a row in 1991. 
it was the seventh best-selling novel of the year. But that's that's whatever. Those are counting stats. Starting in 1991, for the next 20 years to 2011, that would be right. Yeah, 2011. He had one of the top 10 selling books for each of those 20 years. For 20 years, he's had a top 10 selling book. That's insane. Okay? That includes books like The Pelican Brief and The Client and stuff like that. Yeah. But to add more insult to injury, from 1994 to 2000, for six years, he had the top selling book every year. That's insane. This is like Hall of Fame, Will Chamberlain, yeah. LeBron James numbers okay, yeah. for an author. Yeah. Um, and And... He has written a book every year. I think he still writes a book every year, and he releases one. Like he's consistent. He just writes legal thrillers set in the South every year. Like he—that's his thing. That's his thing. That's his milieu. But like he—he's actually like the LeBron James of nineteen nineties authors. Yeah, he's that's it's, crazy. It's impressive. And and how many of them became movies too, right? And big movies like Pelican Brief, The Firm, obviously. But there's so many others that became uh, films. Films. Yeah. So. Yeah, this is your honorary go look up John Grisham books because they're actually really good. My recommendation, there's one called The King of Torts. Uh, really good book. And all of them are about conspiracy and stuff. So okay. they're really fun to read. Yeah. Um, any thoughts on, on on the similarities between The Pelican Brief and, and this movie? They, bo- they both had... So The Pelican Brief was a lot more... Like once it got going, it was a lot more... Um, as if you're seen in terms of from the perspective of like, oh my God, like there's people out to kill them and this mm-hmm. kind of stuff, right? Um, it was more like that. This one, um, it was a lot more strategic, which I appreciated. I, I think they did a lot of, they left a lot of clues for us in the movie too. Yeah. So there's a couple of things I want to turn your eye to, okay? One, when he's walk, there's a couple of scenes where he's walking into the law firm. Yeah. And he walks by that alley. And in multiple scenes, you see a security guard and a truck driver arguing. Yes. About not being parked in the alley. Yeah. In the final where he's final scene where he's being chased, the beginning of that scene, you see that the truck is in the alley and that Mitch sees it. And then when he's running away, he intentionally goes into that office because he knows the truck is under there and he can jump onto the back. That's uh... something small that they litter throughout the whole movie, and then it pays off at the end. Is it realistic? Obviously not. Yeah. But at least they give you some at least there's some connection as to how Mitch Mitch knows that that truck is there at that time. Yes. Right? There's some real-world connection, or yeah. real film connection. There's, an, there's another piece as well. Do you recall, it's, I mean, you're absolutely going to recall it, when he does the whole gymnastics tumbling routine yeah. with the little kid? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Do you think that's supposed to be in the film for a reason? Not that I can, I thought that was just like a fun little scene. All right, here's my theory. They want us to know that he's a good gymnast because in the final chase, when he's holding on to the pole using his upper body strength and he's sweating on the floor, they want us to know that he's capable of doing that. So they show us in the movie that he can do a cartwheel and he has crazy athleticism just so that scene makes sense. That's my headcanon. That's what I think. You're probably like right on the money for that one. But it makes sense, right? When you watch it the first time, you're like, this is just some not, like Tom Cruise is like on crack. You know, (laughs) like does this guy actually interact with humans? Like who does, who just does, he doesn't even give the kid a tip. He does a whole tumbling routine. He doesn't give him a tip. (laughs) True. (laughs) He just gives him a high five. High fives don't feed kids, bro. (laughs) So yeah, it, but so just a couple of those those things that I think Pelican Brief is missing. It doesn't yeah. have those little, um, those little breadcrumbs. Yeah. Uh, so that that I thought was was clever. Yeah, that's very really, that's actually true. 
but yeah, I that gymnast seat that I blow my mind with that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'm telling you, I thought thought about this all day. I was like, oh, why did they have this scene? Why are they including this? Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, apart from that, from the Pelican Brief, yeah, it has its similarities, but overall, the movie is quite different. Um, and what really, um, I also liked that they showed they showed him being flawed as well. Yeah, when he cheats on his wife. Yeah, even though yeah. they they kind of bring that back by saying like that was intentional, like they planted, they planted but yeah. it's still a weakness. Absolutely, yes. yeah, yeah, it's still a weakness. Um, you know, at the beginning, you know, I, I like the realism they brought in with you know, you know, a married couple, uh, a a guy who's just graduated, who's working at a firm that's working in like to night and day, insanely. Yeah, first year associate, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly, and like this. There's tension in the marriage because of that. Mm-hmm. There's issues that are arising because he's not enough. He's not around enough, you know, for her to feel like she's appreciated. So, I, I like I like those details. Which uh, yeah, it did. Yeah. It did make. I thought I thought they underwrote uh, her character, Abby. Yeah, I thought she, I thought like I did like her. So in the novel, she doesn't actually go to Grand Cayman. I don't think. Okay. Yeah. So I think they added that in this movie, right. which is which I thought was. Was good. I like that. Sequ- my favorite sequence. Yeah, I thought. I thought yeah. it was great. I thought yeah. the way, like the way she's like looking over her shoulder when she's drugging him and stuff. Yeah, like yeah. that was that was all shot really well, and it was she was great in it. But I thought in some of those domestic scenes when they were at home together, there was one scene in particular where she's like, "I don't think you even know what what makes me love you" or something like that. Yeah, right. Yeah, you know yeah, what I'm talking about. Yes. I can't remember the exact line, but I was like, "That is such clunky dialogue," and yeah. it is so it it's so obvious that like. Yes, Tom Cruise has flaws, but also all the characters around him are like meditate. They, they like pray towards him, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I thought that was like she's an independent character as well. You know, she can have like she's a teacher. She she can have her own motivations. It doesn't yeah. have to just be my life sucks because my husband doesn't come home on time, right? Yeah, and I, I like when when he was when she was complaining about that at the beginning. I was a little bit annoyed with her just yeah. because I was like. Listen, like you know, he's a brand new lawyer. Yeah, uh, he just That's did the bar yeah, exam. Yeah. Like this is this is this kind of comes to the territory of like, the career that he's in. Yo, honestly though, yeah. if she's making like candlelight dinner for him, and she's like, yeah, yeah. The, she's like, oh, you're not coming, blows the candle. Yeah, yeah. I was like, <laughs> I guess, I guess you know, she can text him all day like we can now. The thirst builds, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, actually. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so I like the I, yeah I, I like those little details they added. Yeah. The yeah, and I think I think if we're if we're talking about the three kind of main characters, then we have to talk about Gene Hackman and his performance in this film. He is so good at playing a smarmy character. Yeah, and maybe I'll blow your mind, maybe I won't. But for people of our generation, do you know what movie he started? No, the original uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory or Willy Wonka from like the seventies. Have yeah. you ever seen that? Yeah, yeah, he's Willy Wonka. No. Yeah, that's Gene Hackman. I did not even realize that. Absolutely, he's a brilliant actor. I've seen that movie multiple times. Yeah, yeah, he has so many good. I'll I'll send you a list of his like yeah. some of his ba- like banger movies because yeah. he's he's amazing. Um, but I thought I thought his his characterization in this movie as oh wait never mind I lied it's Gene Wilder I don't know why I thought it was him that tripped me out. I swear I read this that it wasn't him. Ah, okay, it's not. All right. Yeah. It looks surprisingly similar. But um, sorry, that was false. Uh, <laughs> no, but um, what what I was going to say, what really got me about his character was there was actually some depth to it where clearly he was sick of himself and he no longer wanted to live his life. Yeah. But, but he knew that the firm obviously had something on him. Yeah. So he couldn't leave. So 
he's just stuck in the rut. And his whole dynamic with Gene Triplehorn's character, where clearly he just wants to be felt like a human, feel like a human, and he hopes that she can do it for him. But obviously, that's not going to happen because he's so far gone. Yeah. You know, like he's so corrupt and so dirty. Like he's, he recognizes that the person in the mirror isn't someone that he can respect anymore. Yeah. But he still has to do it because they have dirt on him. Yeah. Which is terrifying. Yeah. And, and that, that leads me to a question I have for you. They mention that he gets that he drowns. Yeah. They say that like your partner um when uh yeah, yeah, when, yeah. when Mitch calls the guy in, in uh on the boat, uh Mr. A Banks, the boat guy, yeah. and he's like, Yeah, you you know, your colleague died. Do you think he killed himself or do you think the the firm killed him? I think the firm killed him and made it look like a suicide. Yeah. Cause I could also see I, but I could, I could see. also see him like, you know, he's like, This is it, right? They know I screwed up, so they're going to come get me. So yeah. I might as well just get really drunk and go dunk my head in a pool. Like, I could see that character doing that. I could, I could as well. Yeah. That, that's, a vi- that's, a, that's a theory that would actually make sense. Yeah, I think I yeah. can go either way. Uh, but if the firm did kill him, man, what must that billing look like? like <laughs> yeah. how, do you, how do you charge that? Murder for a hire. <laughs> $800. Plus two nights in the Grand Caymans. <laughs> I also... Uh, I also like the scene where Tom Cruise essentially negotiates his way to getting $750,000 for his brother. Yes. Getting his brother released and making it all viable for him to, and, you know, gets him with, uh, gets the, uh, what's the, what's the cop's name again? The FBI agent? Uh, Torrance. Torrance. Yeah. yeah. Well, getting kind of putting, putting him in. An, uh, yeah. I thought, I thought runner. that that scene when they're at, I think it's a dog track. Yes. Uh, and, and he gets him on recording. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that's, that's Ed Harris. Have you seen Westworld? World? No, I haven't. So he's one of the main actors on Westworld. Okay, Ed Harris comes in a lot of movies. Westworld is like probably his most yeah. popular for like the current generation, at least, or or like people in their twenties right now. He is such a scary character in that in that show, and then in this one, in this movie, I I can't help but not take him seriously because of the bald head. Yeah, it just took me out of it for some reason. Even <laughs> though he's great in this movie, he has when he says, "Get me a map of Louisiana," I I died. <laughs> I think that is an unreal line reading <laughs> haven't you haven't you i think every dude out there has at some point wanted to be in a control room where they need maps up on a wall put pins in and they have three or four people who are like working on computers and then you just once in your life you want to say put that image on the big screen enhance yeah. it enhance yeah. yeah just once in my life you know i've watched so many <laughs> watch so many movies just once i want to do that once you want to be the one who's asking yeah or ordering or telling people to clear the room because they don't have a high enough classification yeah <laughs> you're not see you don't have the security clearance <laughs> get out uh, but yeah like again another like another great actor who who's in a role where he's given it his all like yeah like when they come into the diner and he's like what looks good here yeah, uh, yeah it's, what is it what does he get two steak on six a roll right? yeah six sandwiches on a roll yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. So, and then it comes down three minutes and i'm like man do you really want that? Yeah, I know. I was when they ordered, I was like, "This is not the place I get that." <laughs> that came out really quick. <laughs> like, it was very fast. I don't know. I don't know if you want that. Uh, but yeah, overall, I thought in terms of if this is a movie that you haven't seen before, it's a very, it's a very enjoyable and enjoyable watch, and it really favors a rewatch because you see. When I think you know the plot, you see so much of what's going to happen beforehand. Like, it's very projective. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, I think uh, we can't not talk about this movie without talking about Tom Cruise a bit. Oh, yeah. So, 
prior to this uh, recording, we were looking at Tom Cruise's filmography. And I think we only identified one two-year gap that he has in his filmography, starting in, I think it's like the 80s. I think in the early 80s, he might have a couple of two-year gaps or one two-year gap, but that's the maximum. He is a workhorse. This guy just keeps making movies. His biggest gap was literally because of COVID. (laughs) Only a pandemic can stop it. Yeah. (laughs) I think particularly, though, like this this movie, we got to talk about. So in 1992, he plays, he's in A Few Good Men, where he's a lawyer in that. And then he's in The Firm. He's a lawyer. Now, this this run he goes on. 94, Interview with a Vampire. 96, Mission Impossible. 96, Jerry Maguire. Those are, like, the best movies of some people's careers. Yeah. That's, like, the bottom half of his top 10, probably. Oh, yeah. Because his 90s are insane. Like, he's in Magnolia, Eyes Wide Shut, Without Limits. I don't know if I've watched A Few Good Men. Huh? A Few Good Men, yeah. Like, he's he's just everywhere, all at once. And... Yeah, he's not in this movie with that limit. So I was like, I don't recall this movie. He's only a producer. But I think something has to be said about, we talked about John Grisham and his consistency. Tom Cruise has been top of the box office since essentially the early 90s. Oh, yeah. And and it hasn't stopped. I think he's, uh, I mean, probably the most successful actor out there. I mean, look, look, in 83, he had Risky Business, which is a great movie, okay? And The Outsiders, which is a book we were supposed to read in, like, high school. I don't know if you ever read that. Oh, I read that, yeah. Yeah, he's in that movie. Yeah. But, like, as early as, like, 86, Top Gun came out. Yes. This guy's just been doing it. <laughs> yeah. He's he just does, does everything yeah. for so long. And and that kind of consistency, obviously, he has some, there are issues for him off the screen. Yes. Like, he does some very crazy things. But that kind of consistency in this industry is unheard of. Oh, for sure. It's like Shah Rukh Khan level, really. Yeah, yeah. That's essentially it, right? Who yeah. else could you really, who has a career that long? And, and that, is at the top. And is that successful? At that the long. top. At the yeah. top, yeah. yeah. It's, that's it. That's yeah. the only person I could think of. Um, the other piece when we're talking about Tom Cruise is this is a broader discussion that we've been having. Does Tom Cruise actually know sports? Has, has he been in a movie where he's played a sport properly? No, that's what I'm saying. Like, okay, let's 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 actually break it down. So we already talked about beach volleyball with jeans on and Top Gun. Yes. Um, anyone who's played volleyball probably knows jeans. It's not what you wear. Yes. Okay. Offense, defense, football, Top Gun, Maverick. I watch football. I cannot understand that game. Yeah. How do you keep track of score? Yeah. True. Who's on whose team? Yeah. True. That was. I, I, I was, I, I, but that that scene I think is just there for the aesthetics. <laughs> just those actors worked out for like nine months. Yes. Didn't eat shirtless scene. Didn't eat like a lick of a milkshake or anything just to. It's still like that. the the Shah Rukh Khan putting yeah, the action scene. sequence. Yeah, oh yeah, or DDLJ. DDLJ. Yeah, yeah. It's like just give me one because I work so hard. Exactly. <laughs> um, and then in Oblivion, when he's describing the Super Bowl, completely sounds like a guy who's never actually seen a game of football before. When he shoots a basketball in that scene. He's just kind of chucking it. Like, he's got decent form. In but Olivia, right? Yeah. But again, yeah. I don't think he actually knows, like, what that looks like. Um, all that to say, I think he's just an alien. Yes. That's what he is. I don't think he, he spends his... Maybe he does, I think he spends his time with uh, other sports, such as skydiving or jumping off the, the sky. Yeah, yeah. Sol- solitary <laughs> sports. Yeah, yeah. Solitary sports. I, I, I just... I, I can't get over that, that he's... He's so weird, man. Like, he's just <laughs> yes. so weird. Um... I think, uh, I think this movie is kind of the end of him being relatively relatable 
and that now he's just too big of a star after this movie yeah. a few good men before like he's reached a point where he can't go to the mall anymore he can't get a cup of coffee everyone recognizes him yeah. i think it's just too too high up and not not long after this comes mission impossible which is just it, it breaks everything yeah at that point exactly. it's impossible for you to do anything yeah um omar i think there are a couple of other lessons in this movie uh the biggest one is never trust a white guy named Lamar. <laughs> yes. And I actually wanted to mention him for another reason, which is there's that scene where they learn um, their two colleagues have died. Yeah. And they're at Lamar's like barbecue or whatever, yeah. or they go see him. And then he's sitting and the sprinkler is spraying his pants and he's just drinking a beer. Yeah. And he's like completely like, he's almost delusional. Yeah. Why is that scene in the movie when it doesn't like Lamar doesn't seem to have a role after that? It doesn't link to anything. Nothing um yeah actually i never thought about that but now that that scene is jumping. i i can i know exactly the scene you're talking about yeah, yeah. he's sitting on a lawn chair and, and, and he's, he's getting like, sprayed yeah and, and he's like completely out of it i thought i thought the first time i saw the movie i thought he would be like more involved in the intricacies yeah. of what was going on but it seems like he was just another associate he wasn't even like a partner yeah so like it random yeah right. but i guess i guess it's there to signify that something's wrong with these deaths yes it's kind of try his his being in that state it's trying to it's trying to get you in in kind of that zone of okay what's there's something going on yeah yeah, yeah. um and then how'd you like the score oh i, I thought it was really good the piano was yeah, awesome piano was man great. i kind of want to see if it's on spotify like that sounds like music i would love to listen to when i'm like working yeah, yeah it would be actually and the one scene in particular that i really loved was when they take the mercedes out yeah. The first time, and they're kind of, I think they're driving by the river and the dog's in the backseat. Yeah. It, it looks like a cigarette ad from the 70s. Yeah, <laughs> true. Like you're, or like 80s, like your life is perfect. <laughs> Have a Marlboro. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Perfect white teeth, you know, beautiful white. Yeah. <laughs> Smoke a dart. <laughs> but it was very, it, it, it did look like a, like an ad. Yeah and, yeah. and and the piano, I think it does elevate the movie a lot. The Particularly like the tension. Because this is a movie about a lawyer who doesn't actually go step into a court the whole movie. Yeah. It's all about photocopying and reading invoices. And that's not, that's not sexy. Yeah, I know. You can't, if I told you the plot of this movie is that he ends up getting them in a RICO charge because of mail fraud, you would be like, that's a ridiculously stupid conclusion to the movie. Yeah. There's no action. There's nothing. But they make it compelling by using it in, in some senses, the music yeah. to make it seem more suspenseful. And like when he's in Gene Hackman's office, getting uh, the records yeah, and, and and then the music builds, builds, builds. Yeah. And then he comes out and that's where the whole chase scene starts. Yes. And that sequence is amazing. Yeah. yeah. That whole thing. Yeah. That was great. And, and Tom Cruise been running in our life for 30 years. <laughs> his cardio is insane. Yo, it's insane. Even when he's running after his wife. <laughs> oh yeah that scene that, that again another scene that was so random to me when she just yeah. runs in the middle of the street and just runs away yeah yeah but, like, but, why? but but then but then they uh but then they uh she talks about how the house is bugged yeah that's why she's out there i was like oh fine i was like why are you just running out of the... yeah. i actually thought that he had told her at that time that he cheated yeah i, I thought that would be the case too but that's why she was yeah. running out of the house and like but i, but I was like it doesn't seem like it because he's running after you know her I, now that i think about it, i haven't read the book in a long time but i don't think in the book he tells her that he cheated on her I think oh, she just doesn't know. <laughs> also, the scene when he cheat when he tells her, it's after he gets blackmailed about it because the pictures come out. Yeah, like, I don't think. Yeah, yeah, because because Will William Brimley, is, yeah, Wilfred Brimley is just giving him the business exactly. <laughs> so then they're at dinner and he tells her about it, and then she's like, "Why'd you tell me?" And he was like, 
oh, I couldn't stand you not knowing. Like, I couldn't take it. And I was like, lie. Bullshit. Lie. <laughs> yeah. Um, again, again, another another example of like uh, sometimes questionable decision making. Would you really want to tell uh, your partner that you cheated on them in a public place? <laughs> like, true. <laughs> I mean, look, you, you've, you're already a cheater. So clearly your judgment isn't good. Yeah. But like, I feel like that's not the smartest place to, <laughs> to go about that business. You yeah. Yeah. So yeah, cheaters never prosper is yes. ultimately what we learn in yeah. this movie. Although he prospers at the end. Yeah, I guess. A little bit. He gets but the he gets the girl. I back. still feel like I still feel like she's not totally like, yeah, you're, yeah. you're on shaky ground. Yeah. You, know, you gotta you gotta remember the flowers every time now, or else <laughs> something's gonna happen. Um Omar, I think the last piece uh, I wanna talk about in this movie is Mitch McDeer's comp package. Or the nineteen ninety two comp package. Or ninety three right? comp package, yeah. So he gets 96k in salary. Yeah. He gets a free Mercedes lease. Obviously, he gets his relocation costs covered and yeah. they get a house. The house is fully fully given with furniture, phone line, everything all from his law firm. And then later on in the movie, they mention, "Oh, when the partners don't want you to have any debt. Bring in your student loan receipts and we'll pay that off too." Wow. In that, that part, I was like, "What?" Now I'm assuming like high level law firms do this, obviously, I'm sure they do. and and, yeah. and he's he's like you know top of the top elite, yeah, uh, elite kind of guy. But ninety six k in two thousand in two thousand twenty three is two hundred and six thousand dollars. Yeah, with the purchasing power in Memphis, where he is, this guy would be like today if if none of this happened, he would be like a billionaire. <laughs> Like, oh, yeah. The cost of living is so cheap compared to like New York, yeah, where he was before. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, like he could he could just buy the Memphis Grizzlies, <laughs> you know, as a lawyer. It's been crazy money. Ninety six k. That at that I was like ninety. When he mentioned it, I was like, okay, this is a ninety three movie, so ninety six k. That's like a Kevin McAllister's dad kind of money, and yeah. that guy had like so many mouths to feed. Yeah, and on top of that, he gets the student loans paid off, paid off a house and a Mercedes. So I was like, man. Yeah. What are your actual expenses at that point? Like, okay, you got your mortgage. You got your well, the, the house they gave him, right? Uh, yeah, they do. Did they give it to him, or did they, is that like until they find a spot? I, I think it's like until they find a spot, you can live in this house for free, kind of thing. Oh, okay. so they still give it to him. Yeah, so yeah. no mortgage, yeah, no student loans, no car note, bro. You, it's ninety three, so you don't even have a cell phone. Yeah. <laughs> so no internet. What are you paying for? What is nothing? What are you paying for? Just chilling. Yeah, <laughs> everything's coming in. And just... <laughs> yeah, just stacking up on that interest. <laughs> You gotta check what the interest rate was in '92, bro. It's probably banging. Oh my god, <laughs> man, Mitch McDeer should have just should just stayed quiet, man. Would have just banged. Yeah, out. no, just just stay quiet and make the money. Yes, <laughs> be a part of the problem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's the reason we have organized crime today. Um, but you know, I I did um I did enjoy now that we're talking about it. Like obviously he made his he made his cash whatever, but he does show his worth as a lawyer in that last scene when he goes up to meet the Italian mafia members in the hotel room. Yeah. So obviously there are issues with that scene as well. Like a he would get shot before he entered that hotel room if yeah. it was like hardcore people. But I really loved how he explained to the whole audience essentially what the actual play was and how how he managed to get himself out and the Italians out without yeah. ruining his career. Yeah. I thought that was a very neat bow to tie on to the movie, the way it was male fraud the whole time. Yeah, and the way he explains it and gives it to um the FBI agent at the end again when he comes over to his house. Yeah. He's like, What did you do? He's like That's a great scene when yeah. when he's like, You let them you let the mafia out for free? He's yeah. like, 
I gave you evidence. It's your decision now. It's your plan. Yeah. Like, you got to go about this. You yeah. Know? And and honestly, it's true. Yeah, because he, he. I mean, he, uh, what I liked about it is that he wasn't just playing the hero. He was playing a kind of hero who's also looking out for himself. Yeah, he's not being like that stereotypical selfless. Like he recognizes, he's like, I'm 30 years old. I have a Harvard law degree. I need to be able to work after this. Exactly. I cannot get this far. Yeah. Right. And so he needs to play it in a way where, look, you, I give you something. You do what you want with that. I'm still barred. I'm still a lawyer. Yeah. And yeah. and look, look, he did give them a lot of evidence. Yeah. How many years did he say? Like, dude, that was like, I think it was like 1,200 years in prison if, if all of those charges yeah, were met. Exactly. Right. And so, like millions of dollars, 2.5 million, million dollars million. or something in, uh, in uh, fines. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not like he gave them nothing. It's just that he wanted um, Ed Harris's character wanted to put the mafia like in front of the media, right? Like yeah. he wanted to do that big arrest kind of thing. Yeah. And and unfortunately, that's the lesson of this movie is that like white collar crime, it goes undetected yes. all the time around us, and it's unsexy to arrest people and to prosecute them, but they are the ones. Yeah. Like what? What does he say? Without this law firm, they don't. They can't launder their money. They're screwed. Yeah. Right. I'm taking away their income source essentially. Yeah. So it's your job now to go clean it up. Yeah. True. And and yeah, man. Those the, we always talk about you know people shooting people or dealing drugs, but the people who are assisting these people to clean their money or hide it, they're as much culpable as oh, well. Yeah. And this movie does a good job of that because yeah. I don't think we were really talking about that in the early nineties. Yeah. We yeah we weren't, and it was it's it's a good way to like shed light on something that people probably don't know much about i think john grisham does does do that a lot like in the pelican brief the whole concept of a rich guy killing supreme court justices so that he can you know use that land and take oil from it that's the whole purpose right so clearly john grisham has some ideas about power dynamics and and how they impact everyday people he's really trying to comment on that so it was uh look overall i can't i can't stress enough this movie is on uh netflix please watch it it's worth the time um so omar let's uh let's talk about our awards so nicholas holt most punchable face award who'd you go with i give it to ed harris okay why ed harris is it the bald face the The bald head it was the bald head and just the when he was first introduced in the movie he just seemed like a jerk oh my god yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) so i was like i don't know i was like oh this guy was is getting that punchable face award. You know that actually reminds me of something. When uh when when he's at that like accounting like retreat or whatever, and then they take him, they make him go all the way through Washington to meet the Ed Harris's boss. Yeah, that whole scene was useless. True, actually. Yeah, we did not need to be like you could have met him anywhere else. It's not even memorable. I don't even remember. Yeah, it, it was such a random scene. Yeah, they're yeah. like, you got to do this for us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you could have saved some money. You didn't need to have that actor. Really. <laughs> true, true. He was completely useless. Um, who was your Nicholas Holt? Uh, Gene Hackman, man. I thought he was such a good actor yeah. in this movie. I just wanted to punch. Like, bro, if he slept with Gene Triplehorn, I would have been so mad. Oh, I yeah. Been, like, I would have been, so, I would have been sad, but I also would have been mad. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, he just so like, even when he's interacting with like other female like, characters in the background and stuff, he looks so like handsy yeah. and just like, just the kind of guy who like, <laughs> sleazebag. Rubs you the wrong way. Yeah. yeah. Sleazebag. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> gross. I agree with that. Yeah, yeah. if I saw him in a change room, I'd I'd go away. <laughs> I don't want to be near you. Um, what what's your favorite sequence? I loved. So the reason this is my favorite is because he, it came as a surprise to me when it happened. Yeah. When, when Abby leaves, Mitch, Mitch. Yeah. And she says she's going to her parents' place, and then without telling him, she flies down to Cayman. Cayman and 
seduces Avery and does yeah. the whole uh she, she looks beautiful in that scene too. Yeah, yeah, yeah she, she looks, looks beautiful. great so like that that sequence i thought was really was good i think it gave her character something more to do at the same time yeah i agree i think yeah. i think up until that point that character was a little undercooked yeah and, and this gave her some 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 spot exactly. in the heat you know so let yeah. her let her cook Made things interesting yeah i enjoyed that yeah um i think my favorite scene was probably that final when he runs away from the yeah. law firm when he gets a call from ed harris says, i know yeah. and then he books it that yeah. whole sequence is awesome yeah uh can never get sick of tom cruise running uh but i also enjoyed at the beginning of the movie when he's interviewing with uh sorry the, what's the firm's name again glendini something lock uh yeah bendini lambert and lock, and lock when he is interviewing with them and then they have that fake uh like trial scene where he's like how much did yeah, you, yeah. What, what is your offer and then he's like sustained whatever that was really fun and yeah. it also just makes me think back to this is a legal thriller where literally that's the closest you get to a to, 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 yeah. to, to like being in a court yeah true. is that scene yeah so that that was fun. Um, most efficient, Steph Curry Award. Who who do you give it to? Wilford Burnley. Uh, Brimley. Bur- Brimley. Sorry. So good in this movie, Very man. Good. Oh, as a security guy, yeah, like yeah. what a great Very role. Good. Yeah, he was great, and he was like, I w- I was thinking, am I gonna give it to Ed Harris? But I was like, I don't know if Ed Harris, like Ed Harris is. He's in the movie quite a bit. Chunk. Yeah. So that's why I I was like, nah, I won't give it to him. I loved uh, that that scene when he takes Mitch like away and then shows him the pictures like you, you yeah you would want your wife to see that yeah. not just sexual things but indecent yeah other acts and you're like oh my god this man <laughs> what are in these pictures bro and then uh the other bit i loved was you didn't replace the the, the paper on the fax machine <laughs> he's yeah. so angry about that he's so mad he's like oh that's so good and the guy gets destroyed by tom cruise oh, I know. yeah he kicks the crap out. do you think he died no, no right. right. I mean, I don't think he did. It just looked like he. Did. If he died yeah. and Tom Cruise, if Mitch McDeer got away with kicking someone to death, yeah, this guy's a brilliant lawyer, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> honestly, amazing lawyer. Um, yeah, for me, I had to give it to Holly Hunter. If you get nominated for an Academy Award for six minutes of screen time, you that's a definition it. of most efficient. I yes. feel, but I, I really did enjoy her character. I thought she was uh, that whole when you first see her and she's like smoking her cigarette yeah. and she's like. Do you know what happens if you put this without water? You short circuit. I just love that yeah. one. Thing. It, was, it was really funny. And and she makes paper copying seem like compelling. Yeah. You know, the yeah. whole movie, she's paper copying and smoking <laughs> cigarettes. Um, and an Oscar for it. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I guess we got to end with our final award, which is the MVP. Like we did, like we said last week after Oblivion. It's the one guy. If you're watching a Tom Cruise movie, the MVP is going to be Tom Cruise. There's no co-stars. <laughs> it's just a star and then others. It's, yeah, it's Tom Cruise. No, it's Tom Cruise. he does a lot in this movie. He again, it's like he's in every frame. He's so good in this yeah. movie. He's so a little. Man, he's a little. He plays manic really well. Yeah. Like, like when he goes into that room with the uh, with the mafia members, like he looks so. He looks like he hasn't slept in like three days. Yeah. yeah he he does, does that really well. Yeah, yeah. He does that well. And uh, I think, like I said, I think this is the last of his movies where he's like. Kind of like relatable. I mean, obviously, there are other movies where like Top Gun. It's hard to relate to him, but it's still it's the emotions, right? Yeah. After this, he's I think he's just too big of a star. Yeah, he's, he's way too big. Um, but with that, Omer, that means it's your choice to give me a movie. So what am I? What's my homework this week? All right, your homework this week. I'm 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 wondering if you've seen this. It's a 2009 release. Okay, what movie? Joseph Gordon Levitt. 500 Days of Summer. I have not seen... Is that a rom-com? It's... it's it is not, a rom-com. I haven't seen it. It's not really... It's oh, Zoe of, Deschanel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love her. It's very critically acclaimed and has great ratings by both critics and 
audience. Okay, I'm gonna check it out. I'm excited. Um, I've I saw it a, a while ago. I may do a rewatch myself because it's been a while, but yeah. it's uh, I remember it being a great movie. Okay, I am yes. gonna check this out. So for next week, it's 500 Days of Summer, which is the homework that Omar has given me. Um, that's all we have for the podcast this week. Please follow the socials, uh, TikTok, Twitter, and please make sure you like, subscribe uh, this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. Make sure you share it with your friends as well. And we'll have an Atman review up soon. Yeah, uh, we're going to see that soon. And uh, we will have thoughts. Yes. And opinions. (laughs) Thanks, everyone. Take care, guys.